This was the school year when everything was supposed to start getting back to normal. The pandemic was under control, students were back in the classroom, and then a different scourge appeared. The FBI is now looking into a cyber attack that caused district-wide disruptions for LAUSD. Actually managed to lock the entire LA Unified School District out of its own computer system. Teachers, staff, and students must change their district passwords. The superintendent says they made the discovery Saturday night and immediately went into action. The Los Angeles Unified School District, the second largest school system in the country, 600,000 students, 1,000 schools. Hackers got into the district servers and made a ransom demand. But the district superintendent, Alberto Carvalho, said paying a ransom was a non-starter. We never entertained any negotiations, nor did we actively, directly, or indirectly engage in negotiations. I'm being a bit freer. The attackers responded by throwing the hacker equivalent of a tantrum. They released 500 gigabytes of the school district's data. There were names, attendance records, social security numbers. Only that law enforcement and the district's experts are analyzing the extent of the data release. Usually, when it comes to cyber attacks, attribution is the trickiest part. But not in this case. In this case, the hackers shouted from the rooftops about it. They called themselves Vice Society. And they're a reasonably new ransomware extortionist group who have come to specialize in hacking schools. They've been targeting places with storybook-sounding names like Rooks Heath or Pate's Grammar, Samuel Ryder, and Elmbrook schools. And those are just a few of the educational institutions who have found themselves victims of ransomware attacks. There have been hundreds in the past two years alone. The trend has U.S. cyber officials so worried, they actually published an alert in September. And that has people wondering, what's with this new fascination with hacking schools? I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and this is Click Here, a podcast about all things cyber and intelligence. Today, a deep dive into Vice Society, how they work and what's driving the group to target schools around the world. They aren't particularly creative or innovative, but lots of people are talking about them, which may be their undoing. Can we confirm here today that it's Vice Society? Um, I, I will not dignify this entity. They are criminals, they are cyber terrorists, and they are not worthy of, of, of me uttering the name of the entity. Stay with us. If you're looking for a daily guide to cybersecurity news and policy, sign up for the Cyber Daily from Recorded Future News. It serves up the day's most interesting and important cyber stories from our sister publication, The Record, and then aggregates all of the big cyber stories you might have missed from news outlets around the world. Just go to therecord.media and click on Cyber Daily to get all you need to know about the world of cybersecurity right in your inbox. Hello, I'm Adam Fleming from the Global Story podcast from the BBC World Service. We are looking at Lena Khan, the face of the US government's battle to regulate big tech. She's already redefined the way we talk about monopolies. Now she's taking on the likes of Amazon and Meta. But who is she and will she win? The Global Story brings you fresh takes and smart perspectives from BBC journalists around the world. Find us wherever you get your BBC podcasts. John DiMaggio tracks ransomware groups for Analyst One, a threat intelligence company. 
And if your name is John DiMaggio, there's an obvious first question you have to ask. He's not related to you, is he? He being the famous baseball player, Jolton Joe DiMaggio, of course. So my grandfather is a picture of him and Joe together. My grandmother says that he's not. He says he is. But my family's from New Jersey, New York, same as Joe. So I think if I, I, think if I was actually doing Ancestry.com, there's a better chance that I am that I'm not. When John DiMaggio isn't answering baseball questions, he's looking at groups like Vice Society. And he's been watching them for more than a year. When, when did they first come on your radar? It was right around the time that they first stood up their data leak site. And the reason for that mainly was because of their very creative, well, not only name, but their, their marketing. The data leak site, where Vice Society dumps their victims' information. It has a kind of 70s pinky lavender color, and they chose a logo that might draw people in. It looks like a Grand Theft Auto ripoff. Both of my kids are, are big fans of Grand Theft Auto. Uh, so when I saw that, you know, immediately it grabbed my attention uh, and had me look a little bit further. Vice Society's official website not only has various pages for victims, it has a link for journalists, too. They actually have an email address specifically for reporters. And we have to say, they have a pretty speedy response time. There's a helpful list of frequently asked questions like, how long have you been in operation? We're using AI to voice their answers. January 2021. And how'd you decide to team up? We're friends who love to do penetration testing. Typically, ransomware gangs aren't so helpful. Vice Society even has a list of questions journalists shouldn't even bother asking. John answered them for us instead. Questions like, which country do you operate out of? Obviously, we can establish that they're Russian. How old are you? I think that they're most likely younger males in their 20s. The kind of people who love playing Grand Theft Auto, presumably. What all this froth and bravado does is mask what they really can't do, which is write their own ransomware or launch big, complicated attacks. To be honest, they remind me a little bit, uh, and I'm going to go real, real geeky on you, and I apologize for this. Um, That's Alan Liska. He's a ransomware researcher at Recorded Future. And full disclosure here, Click Here is part of Recorded Future's editorially independent media arm. They remind me a little bit of the aliens in the Star Trek The Next Generation episode, The Samaritan Snare. Second season, episode 17. Captain Picard is away for routine surgery, and the Enterprise responds to an apparent distress call. Do you need help? We are Packlets. Our ship is the Mondor. It is broken. The pack lads aren't very advanced themselves, but they're really good at stealing other people's technology. Half the systems on board the ship have been stolen from the Romulans, Klingon, Harada, just about anyone they've ever come in contact with. We like to be smart. The aliens use the stolen technology to just steal more. We are smart. We need their computer things. Yes. Vice Society, Alan says, is kind of like that. They aren't so smart, but they're smart enough to know there's lots of code out there that they can steal or find, which will help them steal more things and hack more schools. Now there's so much stolen code out there. You know, there's Rebel leaked code, Chaos leaked code, the Hello Kitty leaked code, Conti leaked code, Lockbait leaked code. With all that stolen code out there, all they need to do is dumpster dive for some malware that someone has already created. And then, by trial and error, see what works. 
And the truth of the matter is, hacking a school doesn't require the most sophisticated exploit. It's a kind of alien, pack-lad, we-need-computer-things simple. Mostly because schools aren't exactly known for their top-notch cybersecurity. Their IT departments are often pretty bare-bones. There's also just a lot of people using their networks, so there are lots of places to hack. To get into a school network, all you need is one kid or an administrator to click on the wrong thing or just find their passwords on the dark web. Getting in through a phishing campaign or getting in through credential reuse is actually relatively easy. Credential reuse is just like it sounds. Lots of people use the same password for multiple accounts. And if that password gets exposed in, say, a data breach, the password can be used to compromise other accounts and other networks. That's Hacker 101. They're not actually that technically astute, but they, because there is so much advanced technology out there for them to carry out these attacks that has been dumbed down a little bit, they're able to find success. So they don't need top-notch hacking skills to get into a school network. And actually, they don't need very high-level skills once they're in the network either. Unlike more sophisticated ransomware groups that deploy proprietary malware that they make themselves, once they're inside a network, Vice Society just goes dumpster diving again. They use whatever they can scrape up on the web. But scraping up an older garden variety malware limits who you can target. Governments or corporations, the kind of big game targets where you get lots of money, have probably already patched against old malware. Schools often haven't, so they're more vulnerable to older exploits. Case in point, one of Vice Society's go-tos is a vulnerability Microsoft found in 2021. It's known colloquially as Print Nightmare. It's specifically against the uh, Microsoft Print Spooler, which is why it's called Print Nightmare. The Print Spooler helps a Windows computer talk to a printer. So if there's a vulnerability in it, well, it could give bad guys entree into quite a bit of your network. So a smart hack, but not rocket science. Actually, none of what they do is rocket science. But it requires being flexible, which ends up being their strength. Because they're not committed to one bespoke malware, they just rifle through their dumpster until they find something that works. And did Vice Society like pioneer this tactic, or they're just the people who are using it to most advantage right now? I, no, I don't think they pioneered it. I think this has been going on with some groups for a while. I just think that, you know, as they ran into trouble or, or got stuck with things, they would just jump to whatever the next code was. So it's a little easy to see why they would target schools. Getting into their networks is child's play. But it's less clear what they're getting out of it once they're in. School districts don't have money for ransoms. They're struggling to pay for books and teacher salaries and after-school programs. Why would you go after a school? It would just seem to me that they don't have a lot of money for ransom. So part of it is stupidity, not at all understanding how schools work. There's this disconnect that ransomware actors have between what a school budget looks like and how much money they actually have available for things like ransom and security and other things like that. But Vice Society seems to be okay about how much or how little money they're getting. When we asked them about that, they gave us a short reply. They said they were getting enough. While schools may not have piles of money, what they do have is something that could be worth a lot of money. A ton of personal information. Names, addresses, and social security numbers. For Vice Society, the age of its targets is both a blessing and a curse. Plenty of students... Who don't have any credit history at all. 
No credit history, clean record, gold to identity thieves. But... You have a bunch of people who are under 18, so you may not be able to get any credit immediately. But if you can wait long term and you have that data there, it could wind up being really valuable to you as an identity theft. Alan doesn't like any ransomware groups, but he finds Vice Society to be especially loathsome. Um, what would you want to know from them? I guess you can't really ask them why they're such scumbags. Uh, that's not my first question. No. <laughs> my first question actually was, why target schools? And their response was unapologetic. Why not, they said. When we come back, fighting vice society and groups like them. This is Click Here. Politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. We are at the final portion of the agenda, which I will begin. And Last week, more than three dozen cyber officials from around the world came to the White House to talk about how to fight ransomware groups like Vice Society. So I welcome every country in the counter-ransomware initiative to give their national closing remarks. The two-day summit marked the second time that officials from more than three dozen countries gathered to try to coordinate a response to these kinds of groups. COVID prevented them from meeting in person last year. And this issue is not just confined to cyberspace, is not just confined... That's White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. ...presents is that you cannot neatly divide between foreign policy and domestic policy any longer in the approach to national security. That's just not the world that we live in anymore. So... They've ripped a page straight out of the counterterrorism playbook which makes some sense because threats from terrorists and ransomware groups have a lot in common. They're borderless, stateless, and can be wielded as weapons. So in response, governments from Australia to Lithuania to the UK are trying to come up with some sort of coordinated effort. Among other things, they want to find a way to share information and trends in ransomware. Australia announced that it would set up a voluntary international counter-ransomware task force, aimed at coordinating and tracking ransomware money flows. It's in an effort to protect all kinds of critical infrastructure, including schools. And as many of you know, working it in your own systems, there's a lot of gnashing of teeth and a lot of blood on the floor working with critical infrastructure sectors to get these standards not just written, but actually implemented in a full way. And Standards like requiring the public sector, schools for example, to patch their networks and protect their data so they won't be so vulnerable to groups like Vice Society. And while all of this is important, it shouldn't be lost on anyone that four of the countries that weren't at the White House summit last week, we're looking at you, Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea, either turn a blind eye to cybercrime or openly encourage criminals to hack for the nation. Remember, Vice Society is thought to be based in Russia. Alan Liska says the bright spot in all of this is that these kinds of groups tend to have short lifespans, particularly when they're so public. 
you know, Vice Society now has an FBI bulletin and a, a bulletin from CISA uh, uh, mentioning them, which is never a good sign if you're a ransomware group. Right. Which seems to suggest they don't have great judgment. Exactly. Right. Judgment has never been their strong suit. When we ask them what they think their strong suit is, Vice Society mentioned two things, making the FBI and CISA scared and making news. So by their standards, I guess, it's been a great year. This is Click Here. some of the week's top cyber and intelligence headlines. Microsoft has accused state-backed hackers in China of using the country's vulnerability disclosure requirements to help them discover and develop zero-day exploits. In July 2021, the Cyberspace Administration of China issued stricter rules requiring companies in China to disclose vulnerabilities. And the concern at the time was that the Chinese military would exploit the vulnerabilities for their own use before reporting them more broadly to the world. In a 114-page security report released late last week, Microsoft openly accused the Chinese government of abusing the new rules and outlined how state-aligned groups have exploited vulnerabilities globally since they came into effect. Microsoft said the increased use of zero days over the last year from China-based hackers is likely a result of China's new disclosure requirements. Cybersecurity researchers at Sentinel One say they've tied a long running cybercrime cartel called Fin7 to the Black Basta ransomware group. Fin7 were the hackers who attacked the American Dental Association and the German wind farm operator Deutsche Windtechnik. A new report from Sentinel One linked Black Basta to a tool that Fin7 developed. Fin7 has been linked to Darkside, Black Matter, and Revil as well. What's different about this report is that Sentinel One believes that Black Basta is a private operation and not a ransomware as a service group. As a result, Black Basta is thought to have more control over their operations. Researchers say it's possible that Black Basta is a Fin7 owned operation. They aren't just buying or selling tools, but have a closer relationship. And finally, online storage giant Dropbox announced that their developers had been on the receiving end of a phishing campaign and hackers got access to the company's GitHub accounts. Dropbox said the hackers were able to copy 130 code repositories and gain access to credentials, as well as information on Dropbox employees, current and past customers, sales leads, and vendors. They got into repositories that have some third-party libraries and some configuration files used by their security team. The repositories did not include code for core apps or infrastructure, the company said. Dropbox said it notified any users affected by the incident and explained that they were first alerted to the issue on October 14th, when GitHub told them that they were seeing some suspicious behavior. The company said no one's Dropbox account or passwords or payment information was compromised. Click Here is a production of The Record by Recorded Future. I'm Dina Temple-Raston, your host, writer, and executive producer. 
Sean Powers is our senior producer and marketing director, and Will Jarvis is our producer and helps with the writing. Karen Duffin and Lou Olkowski are our editors. Darren Ancrum is our fact checker, and Ben Levingston composed our theme. And we want to hear from you. Please leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcasts and connect with us by email at clickhere at recordedfuture.com or on our website at clickhereshow.com. We'll be back on Tuesday. Looking for more of the cybersecurity and intelligence coverage you get on Click Here? Then check out our sister publication, The Record, from Recorded Future News. You'll get breaking cyber news from reporters in New York, Washington, London, and Kiev, among others. And you'll see for yourself why it attracts hundreds of thousands of page views every month. Just go to therecord.media.